Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. It is the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, and you will hear Father Joe Hudson preach on Luke 18 as it relates to our recent hurricane. As you listen, see if you can answer some of these questions. The questions, one, as people of faith, How does the destruction of a hurricane affect us? 2. What is the deeper hope we have in a less than hopeful situation? 3. What does liminal space mean for us? And 4. What does it mean to be a resurrection people? The Lord be with you. The proclamation of the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her request that she may not wear me down by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the judge says. And Will not God grant justice to this chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, some of you are probably a little confused. You're saying, well... The bulletin says that John Reihard will be preaching today. Well, as you can probably tell, I am not John. And no, John is not sick or incapacitated or out of town. He's, and his wife are sitting right over there. 
Well, John graciously agreed to set aside all the work that he had put into his sermon so that I could speak to you as your rector on this first Sunday that we could be together as a church family in our building. Last Sunday, we were supposed to host our bishop coadjutor, Doug Sharp, here. Huh. Well, Ian rendered this building uninhabitable. I am grateful to St. Mark's for allowing us to worship in their church. Speaking of gratitude, because of Ian's destruction, I'm also very grateful to Kevin and Matt and Dale and Ed and the rest of the Serve Pro crew who descended upon our church in force to make it a habitable place for today, albeit a little different. Well, today's gospel begins with these words. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. Now, although this parable is about prayer, I'm not going to focus there. I'm going to focus on this reality that we have all come through together in one way or another. Well, Jesus, when he said to pray always and not to lose heart, he said this because he knew the hostile environment in which his disciples lived. He knew that in the weeks and months and years that were to come, they would have many opportunities to possibly lose heart. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ as well, also have many opportunities through life to lose heart. Today may possibly be one of them. I want to talk to you this morning from my heart, from the heart of your shepherd about what has transpired over the past two and a half weeks since Hurricane Ian roared ashore at 150 miles per hour. At 3 p.m. that Wednesday, September 28th, Ian brought extensive flooding to southwest Florida. It tore apart homes and trees and lives. Rain, driven horizontally by the storm's force, sought out every possible weakness in window and wall and shingle. One family in our church lost their entire home. Some lost portions of their roof or lanai screens and cages. I'm thankful that our structure still is intact, although if you notice, there's a cut in the, sheet, in the roof that shouldn't be there because we had much rain that their infrared identified was even in the roof here. Well, as the sky cleared the very next morning on the 30th, no, the 29th, my wife and I pulled out our kayaks from the roof of our garage, carried them down to the end of our driveway, and launched them into Okaloosa Drive. Kayaking all the way down the road to see how our neighbors on the left and our right had fared. Then that afternoon, we rode our bikes somewhat precariously. I have to say, neither of us have ever ridden our bikes in water that deep before. Well, we rode our bikes to this church property, walking sometimes knee-deep through our parking lot out there around branches and over leaves, as we entered this building to find that the carpet was totally drenched. There was standing water in portions of the parish hall. 
By the way, before we even came in the doors, we got a sense of what was happening when we saw the water line a foot up the front doors. Well, thanks to the help of both bishops, along with the assistance of others in our parish, Surpro arrived very quickly on October 3rd to make an assessment and began a process of ripping out carpets, sheetrock up to four feet from the floor, and removing all the ceiling tiles because again, of water damage that had seeped in. They then put up dehumidifiers and fans in place to dry things out. So as people of faith, what does all this upheaval and destruction mean to us? In what ways does it maybe shake us? Many individuals, for obvious reasons, experience thoughts and feelings of grief, fear, questioning, and even despair. Why did God allow this? Where am I going to stay? How am I going to pay for all this? How long is it going to take to restore all things? All these thoughts and feelings are very natural for us as human earth dwellers. And yet as Christians, there is a, another reality another larger and more enduring narrative that supersedes our current dark experience. You see, alongside our experience of grief, loss, fear, questioning, despair, there lies embedded deep within our minds, hearts, and souls another reality. This other reality is our Christian hope. And it is not just a hope we have to eventually one day leave behind this veil of tears and enter into God's full presence in heaven. It is a hope that is meant to be known to each of us here and now, in this moment, in this place, in what can sometimes, yes, be seen as a veil of tears, a less than hopeful reality. Well, let me try to explain through the use of two concepts what I'm getting at. That of liminality and the Paschal mystery. Let me first discuss liminal spaces. This past Tuesday, 13 days after Hurricane Ian, I met with 11 individuals from our parish who now comprise what we are calling the Parish Restoration and Revisioning Team. Now that's quite a long phrase. It gets a little tongue-tied, so we may end up seeing PRT or something. We'll see. But then that gets a little bit too government-like with all their acronyms, right? Well, that meeting was a very fruitful beginning to what will most likely be a long journey for us ahead. Soon after that meeting, my mind wandered back to another time of uncertainty and upheaval for the people here at Good Shepherd. That day was Sunday, May 26, 2019. Some of you may recall that day. Father Gary had recently retired as rector and I was just finishing up my fourth Sunday here before moving on to St. James in Port Charlotte where I had committed to be supply priest for the month of June. On that last Sunday in May of 2019, at the close of the Eucharist, I shared some thoughts and a prayer for the Good Shepherd family as this community was beginning an unknown and unsettling time ahead in their search for a new rector. The words I spoke then in that time of uncertainty are very appropriate 
built today. In this post-Ian moment of uncertainty that we find ourselves in, let me share those previous words and make a connection to our current reality. Here's what I said then. As I depart from Good Shepherd to serve St. James Parish in Port Charlotte during the month of June, I pause to think of my life journey, of the journey you are all on and the journey we are on together. As you faced the quick retirement of Father Gary and stepped into this awkward unknown space between one rector and the next, it is and will be an unsettling time. It is a liminal space. The word liminal comes from the Latin, meaning threshold. It refers to any point or place of leaving and entering, or of ending and beginning. A liminal space is a time between the what was and the what will be. It is a place of transition, waiting, and not knowing. Liminal spaces are pregnant with possibility. They are places where transformation and growth frequently takes place. If we can learn to wait and let these thresholds, these in-between places, form us. Franciscan priest Father Richard Rohr describes these liminal spaces this way. They are places where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. There alone is our old world left behind while we are not yet sure of the new existence. That's a good space where genuine newness can begin. This is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart and a bigger world is revealed. These thresholds of waiting and not knowing what the next will be are everywhere in life and they are inevitable. Each liminal space ushers in a new chapter of life and holds varying degrees of disruption. When we become aware of our own liminality, most of us, if we're honest, don't know who to become or how to navigate the transition. We often miss the real potential of in-between places. We either stand paralyzed or we flee the terrible cloud of unknown. If our liminal spaces are approached intentionally and within community rather than staying paralyzed, running away, or going at it alone, we can boldly approach it and confidently move forward into our futures. And then I continued that day uh, in my own words. There is a structure in place at Good Shepherd to contain and support this liminal space we are in this space between what was and what will be. The vestry and senior warden, Deacon Michael and Father Bob, all maintain the leadership and ministry structure to support this community. The search committee has a direction forward. The priest who will be in charge will give stability and direction. Canon Norman and Bishop Smith are aware of the process and will continue to work with this congregation. Well, as I read these words, I am once more in awe of the beauty and mystery of the workings of God. I had no idea back then how life for me would change. I did not know that as this congregation sought a new rector, that I would end up being that rector. 
that previous liminal transition space between rectors was a time of uncertainty, questioning, unknown, and loss. For some of our Good Shepherd people, you are now personally experiencing these same feelings, and probably more, because of what Ian has done to your life and to your property. As a church community, community look around this space. We are all experiencing many of these same feelings and thoughts to varying degrees as we see what Ian has done to our sacred space. However, many other churches are in a far worse condition than us. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters of Christ. Well, this liminal space, this in-between time that we find ourselves in, is a time of upheaval and change and transition, which could seem like a bad thing. But it is also a good thing. It is a time of transformation as we leave behind some of what was and move into what is yet to be. At the very least, there is a glimmer of hope in just knowing that we are all going through this together. You know how the saying goes, misery loves company. But beyond communal misery, there is also hope as we consider something new to come as a Good Shepherd family. There may also be some hope in knowing that this time of uncertainty, this liminal space, is not much different than what many other followers of Christ have experienced in the past. But is there anything more that we can expect and hope for in this post-Ian liminal space? Yes, there is. There is more we can hope for. This is where my second concept of the pastoral mystery comes in. Yeah, see, things hit concrete different than carpet, don't they? The word paschal comes from the Hebrew pasach, which means Passover. It refers to the Hebrew people who were saved from death in Egypt when the death angel passed over them, killing instead the firstborn in Egypt. The Paschal mystery, therefore, refers to the mystery that is embedded deep and eternally in the purposes of God, whereby we are saved from destruction and given new resurrection life. The preeminent example of the Paschal mystery is found in Jesus, in his suffering, death, and yes, in his resurrection. You see, every time that we go through the liturgical time of the Holy Week leading up to Easter, we experience an annual reminder of suffering, death, and resurrection hope, that destruction and suffering and death is not the end of the story. The power of God brings us resurrection. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. You see, you and I are a resurrection people. Let me say that again. You and I are a resurrection people. But, and there's a but, in order to experience resurrection, we must often live through suffering and death. You see, just like our Lord, who did not shy away from suffering for the glory that was to be revealed, we allow ourselves to walk through suffering, knowing that there is resurrection and transformation on the other side. In our ever-evolving 
existence as followers of Christ, we have the hope of the Paschal mystery, of the promise of life after death, the promise of something different and more and transformative and life-changing on the other side of any veil of tears in this life or in any hurricane that may blow our way. We have the mystery of the Paschal hope on the other side of any unknown liminal threshold we may find ourselves in. Hurricane Ian gave us yet one more opportunity to experience this Paschal mystery, this rhythm of destruction and rebuilding of death and new life. As you look around parts of your home that has been torn apart, you experience viscerally the loss and destruction. As we look around this sacred space that has been ripped and cut away, we experience viscerally the loss and destruction. But that is not all we are meant to experience. We also see this space through the eyes of faith. We know that transformation and resurrection will come. Death does not have the final word. Resurrection does. May you and I be God's hope-filled resurrection people. As we move into the hope that is to come, I am acutely aware that Many of you may not be feeling all that hopeful right now. Or maybe you're just in need of some additional oomph, additional strength for the days that are ahead. Some, depending on the extent of destruction to your property, may still be deeply experiencing suffering and a lot of unknowns ahead. I know that I am, to an extent, also intimately experienced with what Ian has done to this property. Some of you can use prayer and anointing for comfort and support and hope. And so with that thought in mind, I'm going to break our usual pattern. And I'm going to come down and I'd like to pray for you. People of faith, how does the destruction of a hurricane affect us? 2. What is the deeper hope we have in a less than hopeful situation? 3. What does liminal space mean for us? And 4. What does it mean to be a resurrection people? <laughs> 